0: Welcome to The Great People Show, your guide to greatness, your GPS to excellence. Here's your host, J.J. White. Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Great People Show. I'm your host, J.J. White, and it's a little crowded in here. I've got my normal co-host, James Munsey, and we have a special guest this, after, this, this morning, this afternoon, that we'll talk about in just a minute. But good morning, James. Morning, buddy. How are you? Good. Welcome, Mel.
1: Thank you. We're going
0: to give you a more formal introduction here in just a minute. So thanks, everyone, for being here, for allowing us to be a part of your journey. Every week, we bring to you the insights and inspirations. In order to live different, wherever you're catching us right now Facebook, live, maybe the podcast, perhaps on radio, we are everywhere. Thanks for, thanks for joining us. Thanks for being here and letting, and letting us on uh, what doesn't always feel like an easy path in life. No. And uh, today we're going to talk about resilience, because we, we got it a little crowded in here. James is standing right in front of our banner. I love you yes, right? sorry. No that you're good. Uh, almost, Yeah, just stay down there. That's yeah. great. So. <laughs> so, James, would you
2: like to introduce our guest to us? I would. So really excited to have uh, Melanie Clark in the studio with us. So if you're a regular listener to the show, uh, you've heard JJ and I uh, talk a lot about Brad Clark, uh, my good friend, uh, who passed away on October 11th last year uh, in the line of duty with uh, Hanover Fire and EMS Department uh, on an accident on I-295. And... Uh, Brad and I go way back, and uh, in 2015, Brad married the love of his life, uh, Miss Melanie, who is here to uh, standing next to me. And um, their love story is something that you could literally make a movie about, but I don't want to digress too much into that. Um, but after the accident, <clears throat> um, Melanie, her response to to what took place. Of course, uh, not trying to speak for you, Mel, but tremendous grief and sadness. Um, But combined with that, Melanie has reinvented herself as a person. Uh, She has been the most resilient human being that I have ever met in that uh, she has tried to turn some sort of good out of the largest tragedy in her life. Uh, she went to the State House, to uh, the House of Delegates and the Senate, and lobbied for changes in our, in our laws, uh, for our move-over laws. Uh, the, the truck that hit the fire engine, if it had just moved over one lane, as is the law in Virginia, uh, would not have hit the, the fire engine, and we wouldn't be standing mm. here talking about this right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has talked to firefighters across the U.S. about how they can protect their loved ones better should tragedy strike. Uh, she, she has just been this incredible example of resilience and, and trying to find the good out of bad that what we talk about on this show every day Every week, mm-hmm. uh, Great People Show. It, so much of what she has done has been just an ultimate example of what we talk about so much. So, I was really excited uh, to get her in the studio a little bit uh, to hear kind of from her words, kind of how
0: how your mindset has been and how she's done it. Yeah, Melly, thanks for being here. Thank we, you for we, having we me. We appreciate it. Just for the record, you're the uh, second formal guest we've ever had on the show in the two over two years we've been here. Wow. Uh, we, I've had some guest co-hosts because James hasn't always been able to be with us. Uh, but I actually like it when he leaves because when he comes back, I start to yell, he's back! Sorry. I mean, I I just use that as an opportunity. <laughs> I know. It. I, it's normally a lot louder than that. Uh, so thanks thanks for, for being here. And uh, we decided when James and I took a little bit of a hiatus over the summer, I had a, a, some surgery he he had a big trip with his family. We thought, let's do some different things when we get back. Let's call this season two, and let's have some people come into the studio that have been through the challenges of life that our audience either are struggling with. or I mean, we're all human. We eventually will go through uh, some really ugly things, some trauma Uh in just digging into this particular topic of resilience, which James James's tagline when I asked him was like, what what do we want to talk about with Mel? And and you very quickly said, turn bad to good. Yeah. Uh and, and one of the things that we like on, on the show is to keep it real, right? We can get you can sometimes get into clouds on these topics and and it's hard for people to take what what a lot of people like when you read a book or go to a conference, it's like, okay, so what do I do with that? Like we've just always had a mission to make sure that everything we do on the show is speaking into someone's life, their heart, their soul, what they're dealing with right now, and they could change their mind or, or change their actions in the moment. And I, at the the bottom line is we're trying to change bad to good. And when we look at the word resilience, I just look – sometimes we do this. We just look at the definition of the word. It's the ability to recover quickly from difficulties. And I I really focused in on the fact it said recover quickly from difficulties. And we know in life there are – those bumps in the road, it makes recovering quickly pretty easy. Someone says something nasty to us, and we're just like, "Well, just screw them," and they move on, and we actually do move on. And then there's the difficulties like you've been through in the last year of your life. There really, there's no, there's there is no quickly to it. Uh, it is 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 there is there an end to it? That's the thing. Is like, is do you truly recover? Do you truly, do you truly move past it, or is it designed to redirect? on a completely different path. Uh, J- James said that you used to be in the dental world before all this happened, and I presume now that you're not? I'm not. You're not? I mean, that, that this ended that, Yes. and now there's a, a, a new path. How do you see that path? How do you find it?
1: I'm still evolving. Mm. Um, you know, my world, I look at it, my life is in two parts before October the 11th and after October the 11th, Mm. and they are vastly different than what I I thought. And um, so, you know, when this, I'm not sure you can ever plan for adversity, um, (laughs) but I think the tools you have uh, when you're growing up um, that your parents instill in you help for you uh, help you for yeah. when you deal with horrible tragedies to um, not just survive life, but to start to live again. Yeah. But, but I, I think this for me will be something grief, I look at it as a chronic condition. I don't anticipate that I'll ever wake up and not miss my husband yeah. or wish for the life that I had before. But um, because that's not a possibility. I just know that the best way to honor my husband would be to to try to live life to the fullest.
0: I think you just answered the question, how do you turn bad to good? Mm-hmm. Is you 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 honor it, Yeah. right? You honor him by doing something with it. And just in that short period of time that you gave that statement, you covered three things that I wanted to make sure we covered today. So I'm going to hit them maybe not as fast as I'd like. Uh, how can one ever prepare? You said one can't really prepare for adversity, and that was one of my questions because adversity is a fact of life. Mm-hmm. Like living living is preparation for adversity. Uh, we can protect ourselves. We can h- hold ourselves up somewhere and, and try to put ourselves in a cocoon. That might be one of the challenges we have in society is we try to protect our children from everything for their entire life, and then when bad things happen, they don't know what to do. Right. right? Um, so ha- and not only did this affect you, but it affected – you know, your children, you know, the the, the family you had. And, and your children are older. Like, what's the youngest child that you have?
1: Um, so we are a blended family. Yep. Uh, 23, uh, 19, almost 16, okay. and 12. Okay.
0: So actually uh, um, uh, an important s- spectrum there yeah. because, you know, my children are 10 and 7. And if something tragic were to happen in, in their life, I wonder... Have I done what I've needed to do to prepare my kids? As, to, to your point, you really can't but prepare so much. But how do we make sure that whenever life does hit people that hard, whether they're 12 or 16 or 23, that we've done our job as a parent to prepare them for the life's worst in a way without being pessimistic and negative all the time?
1: Well, you know, I think our family came from a unique perspective. With Brad being a firefighter, you, as a family, you understand there's inherent risk Mm -hmm. involved with the profession. So not that we lived in fear, but we we knew that there was a possibility that um, due to the, the profession that he may perish. And so I think as a family, we may have lived a little differently than uh, the average family just because we knew the risks associated with a job, Mm -hmm. and especially I did.
0: Yeah. Um, You mentioned something, gosh, chronic. I think you used the word Mm -hmm. chronic. I found something when I was looking at the word resiliency called the prophecy of doom. Where And it was from our friends at uh, Psychology Today. Uh, we reference them constantly on the show. And uh, what I, when I read the words prophecy of doom, and we've mentioned this word a lot of times, things happen, we believe things happen to us rather than for us. And I'm sure at moments you probably thought that this happened to you. And it sounds like you're making motions in your life to turn it to something that's happened for you and then for other people because it could change other people's lives and save other people's lives. Um, does this feel like a prophecy of doom at, at times where uh, this this thing is just kind of put on your life and you and you have to fight back and say absolutely not. I'm not gonna let I'm not gonna let evil win on me like that
1: right I mean it's it's definitely been a journey. Um, it'll be a year on October the 11th uh, since I lost Brad um, you know, the first days of his death were incredibly hard. Mm. And when I got news that my husband didn't make it in the accident, it totally rocked my world. Sure. I questioned everything that I ever thought in my life, including my faith, all the core values, all the the, um, the life that I lived before, I questioned everything. Wow. And Why? Because I just couldn't imagine something this tragic yeah. could have happened yeah. even though as a firefighter wife you do logically know this could happen you <laughs> don't you can't prepare yourself yeah, for it yeah logic
0: doesn't matter does mm-hmm. it nothing makes sense in life usually
1: no and this you know this wasn't the natural order of or progression of life yeah. he was we were supposed to live long and happily <laughs> retire in florida we all like, have an idea of what life is yeah. supposed to be right and it was totally my security was totally ripped mm. from me that day.
0: You know, we have an interesting perspective here of James um cuz James you watched Mel, you knew Mel before the accident obviously. Oh yeah. And you you know her today, you've watched her grow in this in this resilient form. What's it been like just kind of watching her transform? Well, I mean, you know, thank God I
2: I never had an experience like this before. I Hope I never do again. Um but you know, when if you had asked me to describe Melanie Clark uh, prior to the accident, I would say, "Oh, she's awesome. Brad's wife. They are like super cool couple. Yeah. Love hanging out with Mel. She's pretty quiet, uh, but, uh, but 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 uh, you know, she's she's great. You know, she uh, she counteracts Brad, who never ever shuts up. <laughs> um, and and you know, so now if you ask me." Hey, describe Melanie Clark. The first thing I would say is she is a force to be reckoned with, and (laughs) you know she is a very strong, outspoken uh, woman who knows what she wants and uh, will stop at absolutely nothing to get it. And the I don't know. I don't know what the right word is. The interesting thing to me is that it in in the midst of grief, like. I have never seen another human being experience uh, because I mean I know what I went through in the weeks and months after, and still to this day, I I still can't even imagine from Melanie's standpoint. And at the same time with that, within within a week, she and I were having conversations where she was like, I, I'm not like, I'm not gonna disappear. I I'm I'm going to be very much here in this world with these guys, and I want to help protect y'all. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, what? How, how did all that come about, Mel? I, I don't even know if that's a fair question because there was so much going on. But, I mean, how – it was just amazing that simultaneously with you, you know, not being able to go 10 seconds without – you know, emo- you know, getting emotional, totally, of course, understandable, and simultaneously be like, I'm also angry, and I'm determined, and we're going to make some changes.
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, those first few days, I would roll out of bed and start my day on my knees in prayer, just wow. for strength. And after I could rally myself and get up off the floor, I immediately went to what would my husband do? What would he want me to do? And I had an overwhelming sense of needing to check on the guys that were in the hospital and an overwhelming sense of protecting you guys in the future, Mm. because this should not have happened and it can be prevented. And Brad and I had talked, had conversations about the dangers on our highways and interstates and feeling our car breeze by you at 80 miles per hour, um, inches away Mm -hmm. and they're your job. Our firefighters and our police officers are asked to respond to emergencies. Mm -hmm. They're not worried about themselves when they respond to an emergency. They are worried about that other person and There are things, there are awarenesses uh, I knew that had to be done to protect you guys. I could not... I don't think I could have lived through another funeral.
0: Mm -hmm. Wow. Losing
1: Brad rocked me to the core, but what would have been uh, maybe a little worse was to attend one of you guys on top of Mm -hmm. losing Brad. I just... I couldn't.
0: You know, we're, we're talking about resiliency. We're talking about trying to turn good to bad. A lot of people consider resiliency... Just trying to survive. like it's another word for survival, isn't it? And to the point of the conversation you all just had, it, it has to simultaneously, if you're going to make good or turn bad to good, you have to simultaneously survive and start to take that energy and do something with it. because while you said the first thing I do, you know, you would roll out of bed and then and then pray, a lot of people that have been through what you do can't even get out of bed, mm-hmm. and like, and when they finally do get out of bed, they just they meander through through life. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we're we've never been shy about talking about faith in God on this show. Uh, I, I'm a firm believer in God. I I I'm with you on on the whole praying thing. And I'm as I was looking at resiliency, as I was looking at this topic, I I'd, I even wrote this down is how does it change when there is or is not a higher power involved? Like this resiliency, if there's not a higher power involved, it, uh, everything that's already falling on all on both of your shoulders continues to fall on your shoulders, except for just the other people around you in your life. And Mel, I know you were probably surrounded by a ton of people when Brad perished and was there to support you. But after a while, they have to go and live their life. And here you are almost a year out, You still have support, but you're by yourself. You're still picking mail up every single morning out of bed to get things done. I'm curious, how has God in that faith uh, filled all those gaps in for you?
1: Mm -hmm. It's still a struggle. I still have questions, um, you know, why. uh, But my faith is the cornerstone of my life. I was raised in a Christian home. Um, but as I, uh, became an adult, I assumed my own faith and that has gotten stronger as I've matured in age. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, I, I'm not sure how I would have faced this tragedy without my faith. Um, and I believe that through that and the support of our community, our family and our firefighter brothers that I've been able to To not just to transition from pure survival into wanting to live again. Yeah. But that was a choice. And um, that was a hard choice to make because initially, I'll be honest with you, I didn't think I could survive that loss physically. Yeah. And then I had to accept it emotionally that, okay, I'm still here. Yep. I did not die on that day. Yep. Like I thought i you, you could have easily could. said I died with Brad. Yes. And, and you decided not to. And trust me, there were are there were moments, especially earlier on, that I would have been okay with that. Yeah. Um but I wanna make a difference. I wanna be like my husband in the in the respect that um, he just loved life. Yeah. He loved the the brotherhood of the fire department. He he just loves so big, yeah. and um, I want to make sure his legacy is, is continually honored, and I want to live my life like yeah. my husband did.
0: Um, we, we have about 15 minutes left in the show, and I want to spend it talking about the, the road to resilience and using this as an inspiration for our audience, and I'm going to bridge by telling a quick story about Brad. It's the only time I talk to the guy. <laughs> Uh, James talked me into a ride-along one day, which after I did it, I'm shocked he had to talk me into it. Because it and well, he didn't really talk me into it. He just kept saying, hey, man, anytime you want to come on the engine, just come on out. And and I need to come back because that was probably one of the most thrilling times of my entire <laughs> – even though we had like one little call. James like, I don't know what it is with you, but we're not busy today. So I'm sorry if this was a letdown. But part of that day in filling in the gap was going and working with with Brad's crew on some training in a parking lot. And I'd I'd seen Brad in James's pictures at the Martinsville race. And anyone that knows me (laughs) knows I'm a huge NASCAR fan, huge. I used to go to the Martinsville race all the time when I lived in Roanoke, been in the pits and everything. And so that was my only point of reference with Brad. And I was like, and we were kind of leaving for the day. I was like... And I'm going to come to that Martinsville race, and and um and we had to, you know, but I want to stay. I want to stay for the race because I know they always left because it was an evening. It was an afternoon Sunday race, so you guys had yeah. to leave.
2: Yeah, we would always. Yeah, we would always leave during the race and not go to the race. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. So I would say, but if I'm going to come, I'm going to the race. And Brad just kind of looked at me, and goes, "I'm staying with you. I want to go to the race too. Like, will you come? Like, but it wasn't this passing comment. I mean, Brad was absolutely positively serious, mm-hmm. you're going to come with us, and yeah. I'm going to the race with you. Yep. And, and he was adamant about it. Mm-hmm. And, and I think about that with the, the first one on our list, and this is also, well, actually, this comes from the American Psychological Association, the APA, 10 Ways to Build Resilience. Number one is make connections. And if there was one thing that Brad seemed fantastic at was make connections. And some people, especially the introverts outside uh, right now, don't like to make a lot of connections. Mm-hmm. We, we uh, and I say we, because I'm by my nature an introvert, actually. And we've talked about this on the show, extroversion, introversion is an energy thing. It's not necessarily a social thing, but it does tie into social because if you don't have enough energy for people, you just won't surround yourself with another people. So number one, make connections, accepting help and support for those that that care about you. Uh, and, and if we can, just for the next 10 minutes, let's have the most encouraging, positive conversation we had is another way to honor Brad too, and mm-hmm. and and anyone else that may, uh, God forbid, have to go through that kind of loss in their life. But every single day we go through something that pushes back on us. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's small, sometimes it's massive and, and life changing. So, what what advice would you have for our audience as far as making connections during times of loss? What what should we what what should we do when bad things start to happen to us with a, for other you know making connections with other people?
1: I would say invest in your relationships now, um, because when tragedy strikes, you are going to totally depend on them to help you get through and navigate mm-hmm. some uncharted territory. And yeah. thankfully, um, Brad was a great respecter of uh, he could just he knew pretty much right away if you were going to be his person <laughs> and if you were his person I knew I could trust you because you already kind of went through a litany of of qualities in Brad's head so I knew that okay you're a good dude um, and he surrounded himself with with awesome people so those friendships I relied heavily on after Brad passed uh, to the point where the guys at the firehouse um, would take turns sleeping on our couch for months really? after Brad passed.
0: Wow! As a sense
1: of security for me, as a um, wow. just someone I can depend on to talk to. I know James helped me um, make some pretty uh, tough decisions. Yeah. Um Guided me in directions in which to go because. When you the the initial days to follow a tragedy like this, you just cannot really think clearly no
0: so the the emotions are such a powerful yes. force, and it can send us in a really bad place yes really really quick yeah
2: it can and one of the one of the difficult things not not to get too far off the topic but I think it comes back to helping the people around you be resilient different people respond to tragedy in different ways yes. right so one thing that was—it's interesting in the in the months following the the accident. In talking with Mel, you know, one thing that she stated to me was, "Well, I'm really surprised that I was really surprised that more people didn't reach out to me right after the accident." Mm-hmm. And I said, "Well, Mel, honestly, I didn't know how to reach yeah. out, out to you after the accident because it, me, I—I'm the type of person, and a lot of people are, where like." I would want to like crawl into a corner and be by myself and push off the rest of the outside. Well, at least I think so. I've never been in this situation, but I can tell even my reaction to that event was I wanted to stay in bed. I didn't want to want to talk to anybody, not even my wife for a while. And you put your own feelings on other people and mm-hmm. Mel wanted the opposite. She wanted to be, she found energy, she found hope. And I'm not trying to speak for you, but we've talked so much about this in she found the strength in us. And once Brad's close friends saw that, of course, we surrounded Mel and, and embraced her. And I think hopefully in in Mel's healing process, uh, which again is still very much ongoing, that that's important to you, right?
1: One hundred percent. And I would even say I think that healing kind of went both ways. Um Absolutely. for you guys to see that I was um, moving forward. I'll, I despise moving on yeah. because that represents that I'm leaving behind my past. And mm. and that has defined, I won't let it define who I am, but it definitely um, has shaped who I am now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think healing went both ways because for you guys to see that I'm going to be okay, uh, hopefully brought some peace and, and healing for you guys as well.
2: Oh, it, it absolutely did. And it gave us, it gave us, uh, frankly, it was, it was a distraction mm-hmm. too. And a good distraction because even for us, a, a lot of, for us in, in, you know, I, I even, it, it, it's hard for me to even say to, to find the good and the bad, mm-hmm. you know, but if we could help you get to a better place, it, Made us feel like we could do something, right? To, something positive
0: out of out of this. Um, and can I add one quick yeah, thing, please? To because you made a comment earlier. You you weren't going to let yourself die with Brad. Mm-hmm. What a powerful force that is for them to see that you weren't going to let yourself die with Brad. Because these folks already lost a friend. Right. They weren't going to lose two. Right. Because that's what starts to happen is you start to crawl into a hole because you can't deal with things. And they, everyone's loss starts to multiply right. instead of subtract. And I, I just want to reiterate something you said a moment ago, because I think this is very powerful. You despise moving on. Mm-hmm. It's all about moving forward. Yes. In one of our early shows, we talk about having regrets. And you should never have regrets in life. Everything that you've done, everything you've been through has defined who you are today. It's part of that plan for you. You have to find a way to embrace it. Mm-hmm. Very, very powerful. Uh, another one on this list is to avoid seeing crisis as insurmountable problems. And you've mentioned this a little bit that a lot of early on feelings were I don't I don't think I can even physically get through this. It, it, is part part of this I I believe is going to be self talk, isn't it? Like, did you ever find yourself just saying out loud like negotiating with yourself to to get over this, not to get over it, like to move on, but I need to, get, I need to find a way to move forward. Like, yes. Literally negotiating.
1: Lots of self-talk. Um, I'm still in counseling. That will probably be ongoing yep. for years to yep. come. Um, and I learned to, especially earlier on, and even now focus more on hour by hour. What can I, what do I need to do just to get through this hour? Mm-hmm. And then as the days and time has progressed, my window is a little bit longer in time. Even now, I, um, if I feel overcome with emotion, I'll usually have an exit strategy, whether it be a high-stress situation, let's say a family reunion or um, a memorial service to honor Brad. If I feel like I need to step away, I'm allowing myself protections that I wouldn't have had mm-hmm. uh, before October the 11th. I'm, I'm a little bit kinder to myself. I'm a little bit more mm. self-aware now um, since this has happened. It
0: yeah. sounds like you've probably embraced number three on this list, which is exp- ex- accept that change is a part of living.
1: 100%.
0: That something else you mentioned earlier, you questioned why this was happening mm. along the way. I have to imagine a lot of those questions have started to subside. There is less and less questioning as you've watched yourself take on these new goals that you have, which is number four, move toward your goals. Right. So, uh, what did you say? At the, it was pre October. Yeah. Your, your, your phases. What, what my were life in, Before was, October yeah. 11th and after. So, set of goals before October 11th, new set of goals after October 11th. A new life. But the, when did those goals actually start to show up for you, though? The new goals.
1: You know, I think uh, almost immediately I knew something had to be done to protect our guys that are on the roadways every day. And so talking to other firemen, police officers, a way, what's a way that we can do that. And um, one of the things were to, to really enhance uh, the legislation. And um, so I kind of focused a lot of that anger, a lot of the grief and sadness into shifting that into um, really change. Yeah. Advocating for change.
2: Yeah. And and you know when we talk about moving toward your goals, most I, I shouldn't say most, maybe a lot of people faced with something like this, uh, their goals become easier. Their goals. Um, there have been a few other deaths in recent years, um, uh, not not in the line of duty, but directly, but. Uh, with firefighters in our region, with uh, some police officers in our region. and we've seen those families by and large, uh, pull away and uh, and often physically move away to a whole different part of the country. And don't blame them a bit, but a lot of people, their way of of recovering or moving forward is to change their whole environment, to change, their group of friends to change everything and it's easier mm. for them because that way they don't have the constant reminders of the same house, the same community, the same friends and the constant reminders of of who they have lost. Melanie has done the polar wow. opposite. She has embraced this community. She has she has become closer with Brad's friends, myself included, than I'm sure she ever would have imagined before this. But it's been 100% your choice to do that. And it's just, it's the opposite of everything else that we have seen locally in events that can be called in any way similar, just someone in the sense of somebody losing a spouse. And I don't know how you, you know, is that just, who you are. I, I just don't understand. I, I don't know if I'll ever stand, Mel, and maybe it's not something you can put into words, like why you chose that. You just, you chose the incredibly difficult road.
1: Yeah. Um, I think for me, I found comfort in being at the firehouse, the smells, the sounds, because that was so much a part of my life as a spouse as well. And I was very supportive with Brad in the role of being a fireman. So for me, that was a part of my life. Mm. And so I think I just relate seeing you guys and still being at the firehouse as being a firewife. Mm. That just doesn't go away, um, not for me, anyways. Mm-hmm. And so I found comfort in those. It's almost like my. It was almost like my second home too. Mm-hmm. And just to be around you guys and, and to know that that's a tangible part of Brad still that I have is is to be there and to be able to touch you guys and, and to be able to hear the trucks and see life continue on um, has helped me.
0: Mm. That's awesome. Uh, another one on this list is take decisive actions. And this feeds right into the conversation we were just having that – these types of—any setback in life can make us question things and, well, I just don't know if I should do that anymore, and and if I get too committed to anything in life, I'm going to get my heart broken again, mm-hmm. right? That's just—I think anybody's been through that just in the normal course of a relationship and then breaking up and divorce and, and whatever is. We become a little bit more guarded, and part of that guardedness is, is indecisiveness and uh, Where do you see yourself in that on that spectrum of being decisive? Do you find yourself being way more decisive now and let's go or or in that process, did you see yourself become confused about making decisions at any point?
1: I think early on there was almost like um, I've heard of widows describe a fog. Mm -hmm. And I would agree with that. Mm -hmm. The initial um, aftermath, I just felt like I couldn't comprehend what was going on. And I don't know if that's just your body in shock or what. Um, So I definitely went through a period of feeling like I was in a fog. But now I see my personality as as very different um, pre-October 11th because now I'm on a mission. I have a focus. I'm decisive. If if you tell me that's not going to happen, I'm going to tell you, watch out because <laughs> you just don't know what you're dealing with. Yeah. And I think, you know, part of that is Brad poured so much love and confidence in me and our marriage and our friendship over 19 years that we, we had together on and off. And um, I just feel driven. Yeah. And so I would say my personality has totally shifted.
0: Which leads us right to number six which says, look for opportunities for self-discovery. Everything that I've heard about you, whether uh, it's been here or James and I just talking about everything and that's happened last year, is you found some things in you you didn't know existed. Mm. And isn't that what trauma and hardships and bad things are supposed to do? It's supposed to literally uncover these gifts and strengths that otherwise we would have buried Mm. or... uh, it's a blind spot. We just don't even know they exist in us. I mean, yeah, it sucks that we have to go through these things for that to uncover, but what a huge blessing it is for us to go from something where we say, why did this happen to me, to thank you for letting me be a part of this because now I can go do something I never would have done before, right? ever. I'm curious if there's anything about you other than what we've talked about so far, anything about you that you found out about yourself in this process?
1: I found out that I'm stronger than I think I am. I'm much more resilient than I could have ever imagined. That I'm tenacious. That I'm feistier than I, I thought before. <laughs> uh, so you
0: had no idea you were that feisty. Well, before. no. If you okay. ask Brad, All right. I, mean, I sure did.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. He, he was almost like my balance. Um, he would. He know, was the feisty one? I was the feisty oh, okay. one. And he would kind of, you know, okay. put a little soft spin on it. <laughs> um, but now I just, like I said earlier, um, just feel driven. And, and I've totally learned so much about myself in this journey. And I'm sure there are things to, to yet to be learned. Um, but one of the biggest takeaways for me is to just really try, and my heart's still broken but to just enjoy life, yeah. to stop and, and to invest in the relationships that I have. Um, that's what Brad did. He had a, a wonderful ability to communicate, to just make you feel like you were the most important person in his world. Mm-hmm. And um, I want to be, I want to live my life. Uh, going forward, like he did.
0: Yeah, I just uh, I want to cover the last few because I I want to point out the fact that you've already talked about all of these already. Nurture a positive view of yourself. You found things about yourself that you didn't realize. Rather than wallowing in the misery, it's look what this is look what this has done for me as a person to bring out my best. Right. Keep things in perspective. Uh, this could have been. Uh, defining what what did I say earlier? It could have been a prophecy of doom, mm-hmm. and it and it wasn't actually really fast. If you think of the scheme, in the a lot of people that have been through what you've been through don't recover as quickly as you have from a positive outlook perspective, mm-hmm. uh, which is number nine. Maintain a positive outlook. Try visualizing. I love this. Try visualizing what you want rather than worrying about what you fear. Mm-hmm. And you just said a few minutes ago that you are now determined. It's you're you're going to get this, but it's not for you. It's for the greater good of of other people. And take care of yourself. Pay attention to your own needs and feelings. Engage in activities that you enjoy and find relaxing, which I would guess is probably one of the hardest things to do when you've been through trauma like that, because it's hard to see light in all the darkness. And we get overcome by fear and evil starts to win in our life. Mm -hmm. Because that's I I believe what we're talking about really is the battle of good versus Mm -hmm. evil. I mean, our tagline here is how to create good from bad. I think this what we're talking about is how to make sure that good wins over evil in our life, because that's where the war happens. It happens in individual souls. Right. Not on battlefields or in the media or in the White House, like everything will tell you it is. It's happening in our life right now, and something bad is going to happen... If you're listening to the show right now, something bad's gonna to happen to you today.
1: No doubt.
0: It's either gonna be something really tiny and a little road bump that's gonna provoke a negative emotion where you're gonna say, you freaking moron, right? Just something that forces you to, to think negatively about someone or to say negatively something. That's on one end of the spectrum to, and this, and this is hard to say, there's, there's people out there that are gonna to go to bed tonight with a loved one that did make it through the day. Look, look what just happened in the Bahamas, right? I mean, it, people are going to die today because of that hurricane. It's, it's inevitable. And we, we have to find ways to move past these to, to live our life. And just to bring back a few nuggets that you've shared is you can't let yourself die with that person, right? In the next couple minutes, because we're wrapping the show up now, what's our takeaway, Mel, James? Like, what do you want to leave the audience knowing and doing different as a result of what you both, you both experienced this. I knew I met Brad once. You guys, you guys loved Brad. You were, mm-hmm. He was a part of your life. What, what does our audience need to do different to be more resilient in their life?
1: You know, I think it's take care of yourself, take care of your family, invest in your relationships, love big, um, and just take care of one another and, and seek help. When you need it, don't be too independent or ashamed to uh, rely on others in your time of need because it will happen. You you will find yourself in a time of need if if you live through something like mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I mean life life goes on, and you know a lot of the show today because we've been fortunate to have Melon here. We've been talking about the ultimate the ultimate negative. I mean, yeah. not not much worse. Can happen in your life than losing a spouse or a child. Um, I mean, it, it doesn't get worse than that. I mean, your own death is easier than that. I mean, you're you're not there anymore. I mean, death is not hardest on the person who has died. It's hardest on the people who they leave behind because yeah. they're gone. And I, I don't mean to sound cold about it, but that's that's just that's just Reality. the truth. And so you know, resilience could be losing your job and bouncing back. Resilience could be getting out of a relationship that you didn't want to get out of mm-hmm. um, and and bouncing back. Resilience is is maybe you got sick or you got injured where your injury is going to have long-term or permanent repercussions on you. And we could talk about the other guys that were involved in this accident and their resilience. We could talk about Carter Lewis, who lost half of his right leg and and that's in October. And by June, he's back on a fire engine with a prosthetic. In full active duty yeah. because he was so incredibly resilient. So resilience, everything we've talked about today is applicable from the the you know, getting a hangnail uh, all the way on, on one end of the scale all the way to, to losing a very close loved one. And everything we've talked about is scalable uh, in in that in in that spectrum. But when it comes to Brad or losing a loved one. What I think about is I think about the fact that he would have never wanted for the people who he loved and who loved him to spend the rest of their lives uh, mourning his death. Because if, if you die as well, then what a waste. Mm-hmm. What a waste it's all mm-hmm. been. And to truly, as Mel has said so many times this morning, to truly honor that person um, we have to find a way to be resilient.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have to, and that that does apply to to all of us. We have to find a way to be resilient because the only guarantee in life is that uh, things things are not going to go the way that you want them to. Mm. Yep, and we are living in a society today where we are working our our fingers off. Uh, we are sacrificing time with our family. Just so that we can guarantee more in our life, and folks, there is absolutely no guarantees today, tomorrow, or the next day. That it requires hard work, and uh, you know, if something does happen to you that you are asking the question, "Why did this happen to me?" There is an answer. There is an answer to that question. You have to keep asking it because if you just take life for what it is, you're never gonna you're never gonna reach your potential. You're never gonna find the gift. Somewhere in that tragedy that was given to you, Mel. Thanks so much for being here this morning and uh, being a wonderful guest of of the Great People Show. Um, for good job me. bringing her in here, James. Way yeah, to go, well, brother, took some arm twisting, but <laughs> there no, you go. I didn't at all. She. No, thank you
2: so much, Mel. Yeah, for giving so, your time
0: and and thank you for our audience for paying uh, attention to us. The greatest compliment you could give us is just to share your share our show with with your friends, whether it's on Facebook or, or the podcast. Uh, just hit the share button. We appreciate it. Uh, thanks for being here. We'll see you next week. Go do something great. See you.
1: Later. Thank you.
2: Thanks for joining us. Tune in to The Great People Show again next week.